Hello, and welcome to the Don't Be Afraid podcast. My name is Andrew. Thank you for listening. One moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. Louis Zamperini. This is the story of a survivor, Louis Zamperini, an American prisoner of war, hero, and world-class Olympic runner who participated in the 1936 Berlin Summer Olympic Games in Germany. He is the subject of many films, interviews, and books because he led such a remarkable life, which reflected his humanity. Louis Zamperini was born February 26, 1917, in Ole, New York. He was a first-generation Italian-American. Both of his parents were born in Verona, Italy, which is in the north, and he was raised in a strict Catholic household. When Louis was two, the family moved out to California. Italian-Americans were not always welcome there, and at this time, he was targeted by bullies. Instead of getting an education, he was getting beat up. The local kids used to like to beat him up to get him to swear in Italian because they got a kick out of it. To deal with this problem, his father taught him how to box. Clearly, his father cared about him and wanted to make sure he could handle himself. He quickly got good at this. Soon, he claimed to be beating the tar out of every one of them. Soon, he claimed that he was beating the tar out of every one of them. He added, I was so good at it that I started relishing the idea of getting even. I was sort of addicted to it. To keep him out of trouble, during high school, Lewis's older brother Pete got him involved with the track team. Throughout the last three years of high school, Zamperini ran undefeated. He ended up setting a U.S. high school mile record in May 19, 1934. This lasted for 19 years. The Olympics. At the age of 19, Lewis Zamperini qualified for the 1936 Olympics. Zamperini went on to finish 8th at the 1936 Olympic Games 5,000 meter in 14 minutes and 46 seconds. In 1938, he also set a national collegiate mile record 4 minutes and 8 seconds, which held for 15 years, earning him the nickname Torrance Tornado. Wartime Experiences In research for this blog, I recently watched the 2014 Angelina Jolie film Unbroken. While I did like it as a patriotic story of a tough, determined American surviving against all odds. At the end of the day, it's just a film. What I did like about it is that it inspired me to look into the story of Mr. Zamperini, learn about his youth, Olympic heights, and amazing wartime struggle to just survive. Louis Zamperini survived for 47 days on a raft in the Pacific after his bomber crashed. He then endured two years in Japanese prison camps. He cheated death several times, while serving as a B-24 bombardier. During World War II, Louis Zamperini served as a B-24 Liberator bombardier in the Army Air Corps 372nd Bomb Squadron. Their plane's nickname was Superman. He flew several missions, including a famous raid on Wake Island. During one bombing run over Nauru, Japan Zero fighter planes attacked Zamperini's B-24, seriously wounding several of the crew and killing one of them. Leaking hydraulic fluid, the B-24 narrowly avoided disaster, their plane had been riddled with nearly 600 holes from enemy gunfire and shrapnel. He ended up spending those 47 days lost at sea. On May 27, 1943, Lewis and his crew were participating in a search and rescue mission over the Pacific when their plane suddenly lost power to two of its engines and crashed into the sea. Only three of the ship's 11 crewmen survived. Zamperini, pilot Russell Allen Phillips, and tail gunner Francis McNamara. They were then adrift on two life rafts with only meager provisions, so the trio spent the next several weeks 
braving blistering heat, hunger, dehydration, encircling packs of sharks. <coughs> during their ordeal, <coughs> during their ordeal, machine gunners from a passing Japanese bomber strafe them, deflating one of their rafts and leaving the other on the verge of ruin. Zamperini and his fellow castaways survived on rainwater and the occasional captured bird or fish, but they were starving. Their weight dropped below 100 pounds. McNamara perished after 33 days at sea. Towards the end, McNamara knew that he was done for, and he asked Lewis, I'm gonna die, aren't I, Zamp? And Zamperini looked at his friend and said, yeah, you're gonna die. This was, this was a dire, obviously, this was a dire situation. After their rafts were shot up, they patched them back together. So they went from two rafts to one, starving, all of them near death, one of them obviously worse off than the others. The best he, he did the best that he could for his friend, but ultimately, he succumbed to his injuries. Zamperini and Phillips remained adrift for another two weeks before being captured by the Japanese Navy near the Marshall Islands. They had traveled 2,000 miles during this awful time. He endured daily torment as a prisoner of war. Louis Zamperini was held for six weeks on the island of Kwajalein. Then he was shipped to the Japanese mainland and then was shuttled through three different interrogation centers and POW camps. Over the next two years, he suffered from beriberi, a deadly disease caused by vitamin deficiency. He was also left in outdoor to face exposure. He braved starvation and endured near daily beatings from guards. Japanese Corporal Matsuhiro Watanabe, a particularly sadistic man, was nicknamed the Bird by the POWs. He took particular glee in torturing the runner because he was famous. Matsuhiro pummeled Zamperini with clubs, belts, and fists. He regularly threatened to kill him. On one occasion, he had Zamperini hold a heavy wooden beam above his head and threatened to shoot him if he dropped it. On another, he forced Zamperini and other American prisoners to punch each other until they were nearly all knocked out. Speaking of Matsuhiro Zamperini, he would later say he kept out watch for him. It was like looking for a lion loose in the jungle. Clearly, he was terrified from this man, and this led to later bouts of PTSD for Zamperini, which we will get to. The Japanese tried to use him as a propaganda tool. Zamperini's reputation as a former Olympian saved him from execution at the hands of the Japanese, but also saw him singled out. Guards forced a weak and starved Zamperini to run foot races against Japanese competitors, and then beat him with clubs when he had the audacity to win. Later, Japanese officials at Radio Tokyo dragged him into the studio and tried to persuade him to read propaganda messages over the air. Zamperini had been given up for dead back home, and the Japanese hoped to use him as a tool to lower American morale. While Zamperini did agree to read messages so his parents would know that he was alive, he refused to go any further. Despite warnings that he would be condemned to a punishment camp, he refused to do any more of what they asked. He reunited with his former captors after the war. So, Zamperini and his fellow POWs were liberated following the Japanese surrender in September 1945, but his wartime experiences would continue to haunt him. His years of malnourishment and torture left him unable to resume his career as a runner, and he became dependent on alcohol to stave off nightmares and flashbacks like many vets. Zamperini later claimed he was saved from his post-traumatic stress after witnessing a sermon by the evangelical preacher Billy Graham in 1949. This is the power of faith. You can judge it, you can refuse it, you can do whatever you want with it, but it can change lives. And it changed his. And that's remarkable to me. It speaks to my heart. He went on to discuss his conversion to Christianity on nationwide speaking tours, and he started a wilderness camp for troubled youths, which is extremely commendable. In 1950, Zamperini returned to Japan for the first time since his liberation to address the Japanese war criminals <clears throat> who were being held at Sugamo Prison in Tokyo. While there, 
He shook hands and embraced many of his old camp guards. Matsuhiro Watanabe had avoided capture, but Zamperini later wrote a letter forgiving him and even unsuccessfully tried to meet with him while in Japan many years later in 1998 for the Winter Olympics at Nagano, where he was honored. Reception to the Angelina Jolie film in Japan. The film received harsh criticism by nationalist groups in Japan. It was rejected openly and only available to a limited release in one small art house theater, as far as I know. Zamperini was one of 30,000 POWs in Japan, of whom 10% died, says Kinu Tokodome, executive director of the US-Japan Dialogue on POWs. People don't know that history, she laments. They must have seen these emaciated Caucasians in the countryside. How could they not remember and talk about it? Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe has said Japan must not let generations to come be predestined to apologize. Now, I understand Mr. Abe's statement here. I do not believe in sweeping collective guilt. I think it's a dangerous concept and it fails to address matters accurately. I am personally invested as an American who sympathizes with what happened to Mr. Zamperini. And his story touches me. Torture under brutal wartime in these imprisonment conditions are inhuman, to say the least. Unacceptable. And I could be naive here and falling for a political stunt by a, by a prime minister. But if the sentiment is to keep young Japanese children from a global guilt trip, in my mind, I can see why this is valid. I don't believe in collective guilt, nor do I believe in the concept of the sins of the father. This is a revenge cycle, and it escalates and it charges a large mental toll on human beings who endure it. I think I have to rely on rational observation, reason, and evidence to guide my decisions personally. I urge you to do the same. What I'm getting at is, those who did these things deserve to be held accountable. To what degree is different for all people. But for these young children, some six-year-old boy, some eight-year-old girl, to have this guilt trip thrust upon them for something that happened generations ago, which is not their doing. Can they learn a lesson from it? Yes. Can we learn a lesson from it too? Yes, together. To have a, a mutual perspective and point of view is what I'm getting at and what is vital. Not this emotionalism for some bureaucratic game of right and wrong, which ultimately ends up being corrupted and not serving any real justice. This is my opinion. You may disagree. Definitely contact me. Let me know what you think. I want to hear. I want to do better and I want to understand more. And I want to tell these great stories. Now, CBS had a documentary on Louis Zamperini, and it featured a rare interview with Matsuhiro Watanabe, a.k.a. The Bird. It's from the 1998 Olympic Winter Games in Nagano, Japan. Zamperini is featured, but what matters is the interview with The Bird. In that interview, the man admits his crimes. He is both unrepentant, but not honorable. He does not address direct questions about it. What he does is, he says, if I was there and I had these feelings, I would have seen these people as the enemy. It's all a bunch of nonsense and BS. He doesn't say, yes, I did these things and I was an animal and I shouldn't have done it. And it's wrong for anyone to be treated this way. He, he, doesn't, have the, he doesn't have the courage to do that. He alludes to himself as if he's talking about another person, a third person or someone in a film or a comic book. And it definitely made me angry to see this. I urge you to watch it as well. What happened after the war, oddly, is that he was quietly allowed, for some reason, to go uncharged. Now, he did come from a upper-middle-class family, and that's how he got his position. So he was some type of entitled, higher-class, higher-caste person, I suppose. But it's strange, because he was one of 23 
war criminals. I believe it was 23. And even Douglas MacArthur went there saying, I'm looking for him. This man was let go. He later made a fortune selling insurance and lived into old age. So justice was not served here is the short version. And it's lamentable. Conclusion. I hope you make a connection to this story. The heart, perseverance, and struggle of Louis Zamperini. This gentleman spoke to me. Please send me your feedback. I'm eager to know what I'm doing right is talking about these stories and what I'm doing wrong. I can be reached at gab at gab.ai forward slash don't be afraid and on minds, minds.com forward slash don't be afraid. I appreciate your time spent listening. This has been the Don't Be Afraid podcast. My name is Andrew. Thank you for listening.